Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. everyone and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I am Mark Ellis joined as always by my co-host Jacqueline Coley and we had a therapy breakthrough. We did. Talking about our pets. You know what? When you don't have kids, that's where the projections go. This is according to your therapist. Well, I just, yeah, according to my therapist. I mean, I don't think my therapist would say you had a breakthrough because of your dog. (laughs) My therapist would say it was because of my tutelage and guidance, but you know. It was partially because of my dog. So we're raising our pets. We're childless people. So yes. we're raising our pets based on how we were raised as and, humans. And the traumas that you had as a, ch- as a child, you will pass them on to your children if you do not repair <laughs> them in therapy. And if those children happen to have four legs, guess what? They still get it because they know look, what's up. I've long been a proponent. If you want kids out there. Just think about it and maybe get a pet first and just practice some stuff on them. Seriously, they joke about that. Practice on your goldfish. They joke about that. But honestly, I question now parents that don't get pets first. I'm like, you need some more experience with this. You need to gradually work your way up the minor leagues before you're ready for the show. And in terms of movies and the year, we're really in sort of the midst of the show, especially for you, because we're in the heat of award season, which I'm told in my ear now means that more good movies are coming out and being seen by the masses. Hopefully seen by the masses. I would just say anyone that can hear the sound of my voice, go see a prestige (laughs) movie in a theater. Please continue my livelihood. There's been some very troubling news in the trades. But yeah, no, it is it is award season, sort of the uh, fruits of the seeds that we planted in September, or if you want to say it back in May, it can. Those are finally coming to fruition. These films are now out. People are voting on them. And, the, you know, just yesterday morning, we had the Golden Globes announcements on that sort of stuff. So it's the time of year to be reflective on the year's best. Yeah, we love our holiday movies here. We've talked a lot about that on the show. It's been a great year for Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, really, because yeah. we've gotten to, I think, write a lot of wrongs and maybe <laughs> yes. talk about some movies that were a little too highly rated on the tomato meter. But now we're here to celebrate our top 10 movies of the year. So here's the way it's going to work is that we have part one is going to be five of Jacqueline's favorite movies and five of my favorite movies. And then we have part two. It's going to be coming out a week from now. And that is going to be Jacqueline's other half of her top 10 and Mark's other half of his top 10. But we made the command decision to not attach numbers to the movies because we've been harmed. Yes, we are wise beyond our years. And honestly, if you're making movie reviews or movie like commentary type stuff, as this man has done for a long time and I've done for a long time, respectively, then you know that anytime you put any kind of like gauge out there, people will light you up with it <laughs> forever. Any amount of time, like, oh, you gave that three stars. What about this? And you're like, well, that was a hard three stars. This was a soft three star. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You end up having to do that. And I, don't want people coming for me because I decided that, you know, X movie and not the movie X by Ty West. I'm just saying blank movie. He had a good year. He did have a good year is rated higher than the movie that you decided to make your entire personality. Like, I I don't have that kind of fight in me. How is X higher rated than Pearl? And they get so mad. I still hear from people who I gave 13 hours, the Michael Bay classic. (laughs) I gave that five out of five schmoes back when when we were doing schmoes. No, and I stand by it. I saw the movie twice in theaters, thought it was awesome. And uh, I gave it five out of five schmoes. And so, but any time after that, a movie would come out that I really liked. 
And I would say, you know, like, like Thor Ragnarok. I'm like, yeah, it was good. Four and a half out of five schmoes. I'd get a comment that says, oh, so it's not as good as 13 hours. And I'm like, oh I guess my God. it's not really. Look, we're, we're not assigning numbers to these. I will say at the end of episode two of this two part companion yeah. piece, I will say what my favorite movie of the year is. You will say what's your favorite movie of the year. Yes, which may be a different movie than one my versus episode of the best movies of 2022, because that's a whole different thing. So we have a lot to get to today. We have a lot to disseminate, but we're here to celebrate our favorite movies of the year. What we don't have is a two minutes with Tim, because no. Tim, according to my intel, Tim has seen three movies this year. Uh, that are in... Tim does have small children. They're in glorious Technicolor. I think he's seen a lot of cartoons. I think mm. he's seen a lot of Blue's Clues, a lot of PJ Masks. He saw Thor, we know that, and, he, mm. and we saw Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, mm -hmm. and then he said the rest of the movies that he watched were all in black and white. So good for you, Tim. We're proud of you. We love you. Uh, shout out to our editorial team as well. The best movies of 2022 ranked by Tomato Meter. You can yeah. find that on the website, RottenTomatoes.com, as well as folks like Jacqueline and others contributing to the awards leaderboard, and that is also going to be at RottenTomatoes.com. So yes. check on that one. That way you will know who's supposed to be the winner, even if they don't end up winning. I <laughs> love having you as my partner in crime here because you saw so many more movies than I did. And you said like you didn't see that many, but I think you're underestimating it. Also, I will add that you are going to give your favorite movie. Um, mm -hmm. I am not. <laughs> Again, because this is dangerous territory. If, if any of you are wondering, we'll make this a little, we're going to take a little After Dark segue, which by the way, if you guys listen to our After Dark episode, please do. It's the best. Thank you. It, it was fun. It is so much fun. We want to do more of those. So please listen to that episode. Make it higher than like Harry Potter. There's a whole lot more in our closet. I mean, really. Anyway, so if you do these lists, then everybody wants to like come at you. Like there was literally just somebody, the New York Times, this guy puts out his 10 best of lists and people are coming for him in the comments like they stole his first, <laughs> he stole their firstborn. And I just don't want that kind of smoke. Also, I might add, besides the internet masses that both mm -hmm. Mark and I as public figures face, I also face the people sometimes involved in these movies who are not exactly pleased or maybe they're publicists, but sometimes the people in the movies, like... You got actors, you got you got directors, you have performers, you have union crew going after you. There people that would be coming up to me and like, I don't want Gina and Prince by the wood looking at me any kind of way. <laughs> any for... Like, I'm just kidding. She wouldn't care. She's way too cool for that. But you know what I mean? It's mostly the publicists. The publicists would be like, why didn't you rank us higher? Look, everybody going back to our opening with the therapy and how you were raised, every yeah. kid wants to be mentioned first in the Christmas letter. Yes. Every kid wants that honor, even though from now, from my stand-up days, I realized that my mom only lists me last because that means I'm the headliner, which is what I tell <laughs> my sister and my brother. That sounds like a good way to transition into movie talk. I got one question for you because you are a watcher of so many movies. And I, I saw a fair amount of movies this year. I think just comparatively with years past when I was like reviewing everything everywhere all at once, I would see like hundreds of movies. Right. Yeah. And now I, I saw a good chunk of movies. I saw more of the movies I wanted to see. Yeah. And I think my list is going to reflect that. But there are some sort of out of the Mark Ellis box that you all have put me in. I'm fine. But <laughs> I, I think that there's some movies that might surprise some people yeah. on my list. How was the 2022 movie year for you overall? I think the 2020, it's surprising. I would say the movies that resonated with me this year were ones that just spoke to me personally. Mm -hmm. Like this was a year where I was very much less concerned with like what this person thought with that movie. Not saying that I ever am, but I think some years there was this thing of like, oh, well, I've got to support this one kind of thing. Or like I, legitimately, like where it's like, okay, I didn't love this. But, but you, you want know, to show up for but it. But I want to show up for it. And this year, I was just like, what did I, like, dig? Like, what did I think was cool? Okay. Like, what was I, like, thinking and feeling? And what's really funny, too, is for the first time in a long time, the moments that I really sort of keyed in on, a lot of them were on television this year, which was really surprising for me. Because so many of the movies that I enjoyed that are even on this list, they all gave me something that I wanted, but very few of them gave me something that I didn't know I wanted. So what's interesting is that when I submitted my 10 movies to producer Brian, they were all documentaries. And he said, Mark, you can't do documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> they're all documentaries that I watch at home by myself. And they're about boring topics like the building of a bridge. Like, I'm really boring now. But there were enough movies. And I feel like 2022 
you know, we, we were coming out of the pandemic. People were excited to be back in theaters. There were a couple of movies that really revved our engines and we're like, oh, this is why we love going to movies. And so my list reflects some of those bigger films that got new demographics back into yeah, theater going mode. But then there's some other stuff that's just so tiny and so small that I feel like it was a good mix of everything. And I feel like the award season is starting to come to play. Uh, in full force. It really is. What's really interesting, too, is that this year, more than any year, there was a lot of, I think, movies that everyone thought was going to be that ish that didn't end up being. And a lot mm -hmm. of really, like, surprising movies. Like, I mean, look, the one we just saw, Avatar, I think a lot of people were like, okay, it's James Cameron. I'm going in like, mm. and there's a lot of people being like, yeah, he did that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people, people are having intense, like, existential, like, moments of intimacy with fish with a whale with the land you know what i mean with i know the which sea whale you're talking about you know what i mean like with sea mammals people are literally like losing their mind and they did not expect that going into the blue people movie i hope avatar pops up on one of our lists because i have thoughts so um, <laughs> i hope so let's get let's get started with our list so again these are five movies from jacqueline and five for me that are in our top 10 of the year we're not going to rank them because of feelings but we're going to go to you first you get to kick off. What is your first movie in your top 10 of 2022? Okay, this is another one that just, I think, speaks to me. And I will go ahead and fully admit it. And that is Bones and All. This is the Timothy Chalamet, Luca Guadagnino, uh, Taylor Russell film. They star in Why a Cannibal Love Story. Who doesn't warm their heart <laughs> thinking about it? Well, Taylor Russell basically plays a young girl who's been raised by her father despite this affliction that she has, which is basically that she wants to eat people. And it's something that he tries to keep in check. But obviously, it's very clear that they often have to, like, pack up and leave. Like, she gets into these situations where she ends up basically anytime she's unguarded with other people, she ends up losing it and eating them. And so he has to keep her on a tight lock. So it's like a more dramatic, the Santa Clarita diet. Uh, yeah. Remember that show? It is. Drew Barrymore. Wow. wow. They you eat just, people, right? Yes. And, and honestly, you have made this movie so. <laughs> did I ruin it? You really did. <laughs> I'm instantly. Sorry. It really is. It was a good, it was a, it was a, it was a critically acclaimed audience enjoyed the show. The Santa Clarita diet. So, but look, I will say this. I haven't seen the movie yet. Man, you really took the juice out of this, though, in that way. In the, the way blood. that I have to, like, wow. In I a way that I have to admit that, like, you just told the perfect joke about my movie <laughs> to where, like, now I can't even say any good thing about it. I'm not Because you're here. like, this is an artsy Santa Clarita diet. And you know what? You're right. I didn't I didn't set this up to where I'm just going <laughs> to crap on every one of Jacqueline's picks that aren't in my top 10. I'm going to applaud you for it. You did it so well. I know you love your your nephew, Timothy Chalamet, but I will also say what really intrigues me and why I want to see this movie is the combination of him and Luca Guadagnino, because I thought Call Me By Your Name yeah. was so fantastic. And I think that was in my top 10 of that year. Yes. Look, I can I can rebound. It is very Rihanna Calvin Harris. We found love in a hopeless place. It is very okay. that. So like, where is in with Santa Clarita diet? This was his wife. And then he finds out something, whatever. He loved her already. This was like something different that happened to her with these two. They're both afflicted and they're finding community with each other. These two very isolated people who happen to be cannibals can find a way despite the reality that they're living. Like if you change the cannibalism to drug addiction, um, you can see how this movie really sort of plays differently. It's really about these two people that are in the worst versions of themselves, finding better versions of themselves, which is still probably not great together. Okay, what's our uh, what's our scores? Uh, this one's 82% and 61% audience score. I will say I'm sure a lot of Timmy fans didn't know about all the eating. <laughs> this is what's so weird. Why girls who will be in my generation were screaming, bite me, Rob Patterson, at every chance they get are now squeamish at the thought that he wants to eat the, the stuff that's around the blood. He's literally drinking your blood, but that's sexy. But if he wants to like chew into it, no, that's really great. Like, you would feel like we as a society have now been raised to accept not cannibalism, but the fact that there's going to be protagonists that we can root for that have a tendency to eat people or suck their blood based on the Twilight movies yeah. and all of this other, uh, what we do in the shadows, like, like with vampires. They're not just evil. They, they can be funny. They can be uh, studious. They can go to college. I think what it is with vampires is I get why it's different. It's like the, you're bringing an essence of yourself 
that can be replenished. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, you know, it's not far from the realm of possibility that that is something that you can exchange with somebody and it's not gross, right? That's like a thing. <laughs> but not not very often do people like give you parts of their body that the other person eats. Yeah, it's a little weird. And once you get into the real graphic depiction of it, the uh, the tearing of the tissue you and know what uh, I mean? I chewing get the, on the marrow. But they're not doing it to each other. I'm just saying that like, hey, if these are the things these two people do, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, again, with all these vampire love stories, they aren't always like, you know, eating each other. Now I know why that movie's called Bones and All. I did not know. I saw the poster. I've seen the poster and the billboards all yeah. over town. So they're they're making a push with this thing. Are we looking at Oscar bait? It's not bait. It's just, it's, they know what they're eating. <laughs> it's one, like, it got nominated for a couple of Gothams. It won, um, I believe, a couple of like the top 10 or NBR or something like that. It was on like a couple of a uh, couple of good nominations. It got a bunch of indie spirit nominations. That's what it was. Okay. Well, bones and all uh, proof that hitchhiking is dangerous for both parties. <laughs> hitchhiking is. You never know what, what car you're getting into. Honestly, you know, that's fair. It, this movie does teach you a bit of that. Not in the way that you think, but absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Well, look, for my for, for my first movie to kick off here, it's a movie that also is about eating people. Uh, kind, well, it's more about hunting people, and that is just if the current planet that you're hunting for sport on is inhabited by people, I am, of course, talking about Prey, ah. the prequel to Predator that was, I guess I'm allowed to do this, even though it went straight to a streaming service. Yeah. Like, so it, I don't know if it works for the Oscars. It works for Mark Ellis and his list, and I love this movie. I This was everything that I wanted Shane Black's The Predator to be and was yeah. not. This felt like a true prequel, but it also felt like it furthered the Predator War. And I mean, who would have put money on the fact that, okay, well, the the, the theatrical release, we put a lot of resources behind and it didn't really get a lot of people interested back in Predator. Now this Hulu movie, suddenly you're like, I want a Predator in every historical time period. Yeah. You cannot tell me that you would not pay a lot of money to go see Jesus and his apostles take on a predator. Oh, my God. They can Assassin's Creed predator. Absolutely. Boom. Like do this in. Yeah, absolutely. Julius yeah. Caesar versus a predator. <laughs> I don't know about Julius Caesar, but like, look, Victorian. I could see that being interesting. You know what I mean? Could Some Cleopatra woo a predator? Hey, look, Wild West type stuff. I can <gasps> see that. Look at oh, your face. Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Young Guns 3. We just wrote it. It's, we really it's Billy did. the Kid, probably Billy the Adult now taking on the predator. Billy versus. Versus Predator. See? We're we writing really this stuff ourselves. Write but this movie blew me away and it, and it was so well depicted. And I love the way that they, that, that they, that you, you get to see the story of this young woman who wants mm. to be a warrior. That's not her carved out role in this, you know, indigenous people, but she fights. She has hunts, the heart of a warrior, you know? She has a dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Coco is the name of the actor dog. Yeah. And it's just a, a magnificent movie. And you get to see not just predators. You get to see cougar attacks. You get to see bears. There's some bison involved. There's a lot going on in this movie. Can I go ahead and say that I know this is your favorite movie, but can I say this? If the dog didn't make it, it couldn't have been your favorite movie. You know, now we're starting to get back to killing the dog more. And I don't like the trend in cinema. I think John Wick kind of sparked that back. But I ended up liking John Wick because the rest of the movie lived up to it. So okay. it, it, it would have been hard, but I would okay. I, I would have understood. You would have understood. <laughs> it is uh, 93% <laughs> certified fresh on the tomato meter, 73% audience score. So that's a little curious. For I me, mean, but. I think that one a little bit. It's first of all, it's on Hulu. So we can't verify it like we can with the stuff that goes into theaters. Sure. But the one thing I will also say with this one is. There's just going to be certain people, whereas in if you're going to be, there's an argument to be made for at one point, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the person fighting this. And now we have Amber, I believe it's Thundercloud, mm -hmm. uh, fighting this. And there's some people that that just glitches them. That does glitch them. And they just then go and take it out on the score. Not fair. Not fair at all. Because no. if you remember the first Predator, Arnold defeated the Predator, not with his muscles and with guns but with just hiding in the mud and just waiting for the right opportunity, just That's waiting for the very, weakness. Yeah, finding so. the moment. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to add before we leave, Prey, because I 
think that Amber is going to be on a lot of young performer lists, like mm-hmm. the Critics' Choice Awards, yes. uh, which are going to be announced to, well, by the time this airs, actually, um, they will have already been announced. But I think she's going to be somebody that we see a lot more of. Both her and Katie Devery from uh, Reservation Dogs are two mm-hmm. indigenous performers that I'm just like, whatever you guys have going on, I really just want to see more of it because they've already shown in their first projects, like, just put them on. Amber, Mid- Amber Mid-Thunder. Mid-Thunder, thank the you. Performer. Mid-Thunder, yeah. Fantastic. thank you. Fantastic. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Well, let's go back to your list. What, what do we got next? Next up, actually, on my list, this is another example of it's just something that speaks to me. Although I do think this is like an actually really great film and very Mark material. If you haven't seen this one, okay. I would be surprised. So this one is actually the story and the guy that made it, it was not his intention to star in two airplane movies in the same year, but there was this little <laughs> pandemic thing that made it happen. And this story, it's the second of the two, and it's the story of two Korean Air Force pilots, including Jesse Brown, who was the very first naval aviator who happened to be African-American. And the trials that he went through <sighs> to become an aviator um literally had to be the best just for them to give him a chance. And Glenn Powell stars in that alongside Jonathan Majors. They are brilliant in it. It is such, such, such a good film. Plays so well. Directed by J.D. Dillard, who came up through like the bad robot era. And I was, and he was actually, his father was a naval aviator. So he is a black aviator son. And the first time I saw it, as I was like, oh, this is definitely going to be something I talk about in therapy because my father was a Navy man. Mm -hmm. Grandfather was like in Pearl Harbor, very much raised in military families. And so like I was like, and it's very much about like fathers and sons and and, like devotion, right? Yeah, Yeah, devotion, because it's about the love and devotion you have for your country, for your wife, because in this, and I just have to put out here, um, Jesse, sort of how they sort of have come to understand him as the man is that his wife showed her letters that he would write to her while he was in training. You know, they had to fight really hard to keep her on base near him. Also, they told him not to get married before he went to flight school. He was like, forget that. I love her. I'm going to marry her. And then it made it difficult. And when he was in Korea, he was writing her. And those most devoted letters, like, I would walk a thousand oceans to be near you. Dude, the letters from wartime past. Oh, my God. They're just unbelievable prose. Like, you cannot tell me. How can you listen to that and then listen to some dude that can only, like, text you at the end of the night? W-Y-D. You know what I mean? Like The late, great comedian Greg Giraldo had a fantastic bit. Tom Papa and I were in the green room of the comedy store. We were reciting the bit to each other. Papa was good friends with, with Giraldo before he passed. And... He just had a great bit about how, like, the war letters from back in the day were so different than the war letters you get now. Yeah. That's all I'll leave for today. <laughs> but it, it th- this is a movie I, I I wanted to see. Yeah. Simply because I'm a fan of Jonathan Majors. Yeah. And Glenn Powell, you see him in Top Gun Maverick, obviously, yes. as Hangman. And then he comes into this and it's like, this guy's just a great aviator. But Jonathan Majors, he's more than just a bodybuilder. Okay? Yeah. That, I mean, what he's done with Ooh. that body. I mean, Pretty impressive. can I tell you, I interviewed him. It's so embarrassing. I interviewed him and it's like, I just like looked at his men's health spread because he does talk about movie stuff in there yeah. too. But it's like, you have to like, I felt like a guy for the first time to be like, I see how this is distracting. Like, and how you can get kind of <laughs> rageful about it because like, I'm a journalist. I'm trying to like 
concentrate on things. And all I'm thinking about is what did you do to do what you do? That's all I would ask. <laughs> I, if I did the junket for that movie, yeah. I would literally just have him put me through my paces. And I'm like, just show me the exercises you yeah. did. Give me the printout of, of your daily diet. Like I, like Michael B. Jordan when he was getting in shape. And by the way, we get to see Jonathan Majors yeah. in the next Creed, Creed. movie. And the, yeah, that's the one I was like interviewing for Devotion. But I was like just thinking, I was like, it's underneath there. Yeah. It's going to be a slugfest at Creed 3. I, I can't wait to see that one. Um, I want to go over to your list, but real quick yeah. on Devotion, uh, 81% certified fresh, and this is a 91% audience score. So the audience Good. knows what's okay. up on this one. And that's right. the thing I want to tell people. This is a great movie to watch with your family, especially if you grew up in a military family. Okay. Well, I, you know, you talk about airplane movies mm. and uh, the gentleman who is the subject of this next movie on my list, uh, which is 77% certified fresh, with the tomato meter, but 94% with the audience score. So again, the audience knows what's up. This gentleman is famous for hopping on an airplane from time to time, just so he could go down to Memphis and get himself a deep fried peanut butter and banana sandwich. That would be Elvis. Elvis Presley. Deep fried. Who is a redneck with, with like oh, so he, much talent? But he has just redneck energy. If I had a private plane all to myself, I'd probably be taking it back east and taking myself to Bojangles once a week. I do not have that luxury yeah. yet. Elvis Presley did. He lived a life. And Colonel Tom Parker is sort of the conduit, the way that we're telling this story, played by Tom Hanks. Austin Butler is the reason why this movie's on my top 10 list. Yeah. And because if you're looking at performances of the year, the whale was like an honorable mention for me just because Brendan Fraser is that good in it. Yeah. And 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 the rest of the cast of that movie is too. Yeah. But this one, it's on not only a guy playing yeah. Elvis, but he's also on stage being Elvis. I mean, Austin Butler, I don't know if he's gotten rid of Elvis since he filmed the movie. And Tom Hanks is always great. And it's just, it's interesting. It was the way that I heard about this movie is that it's weird that it's Colonel Tom Parker being the one to tell the story. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm showing up to see an Elvis movie. Why do I want Colonel Tom? Because I know that that I know that tale and how that ends. But I found it to be an interesting, different kind of biopic. And it really resonated with me, particularly the musical performances. I don't think you're wrong about that one. I'm not an Elvis defender, but I'm not an Elvis denier. I'm right there. I'm, you know right, I'm right there with you. Yeah. So like my thing with Elvis, um, which that's beautifully said, by the way. Also, I just want to add uh, really quickly. I love that you have this on your list because I feel like this is that movie this year. Like it's very Bohemian Rhapsody where it's like people are putting their lines mm -hmm. where they stand on this one. And it's unfortunate. I saw it at Cannes and I saw how that movie played and it continues to play since then. So like I get it. Baz Luhrmann can mesmerize an audience. He can like literally whip magic into an audience. He can literally dazzle them. When you saw it at Cannes, because that's the film festival famous, well, like a few other ones are for, you know, the 30 minute standing ovations or whatever, but mm. the audiences really get excited. They get juice from seeing these movies. What was it like being in the crowd at Elvis? Were, were people just like dancing in the aisles? I mean, were they losing their minds? They weren't losing their minds, but like you have to remember, this was the crowd that when Brad Pitt took off his shirt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they clapped. <laughs> so did I. And they also had a very similar reaction to like the Elvis performance scene. Okay. You know what I mean? Like it was very like, we're going to clap for this because that's how good it is to where you'll miss like parts of the movie because they're still applauding this like set piece. Which is kind of fun to be in an environment like that. Even if you got to go back and watch and pick up another line that you missed that Abs the applause drowned out. Absolutely. And that's what I mean when I say Baz Luhrmann is like a magician when it comes to like audiences. Like he like, he wields this magic. And the thing he really like got people to understand was the way that Elvis sort of beamed sex into American homes yeah. for the very first time. Like this was the first time girls thought of like, oh, what is he doing with his legs? Like legitimately, they were so innocent up until that point. I love that quote from uh, from Billy Joel who was interviewed years ago. And he's like, well, the fact that when he was on the Ed Sullivan show and they made the command decision to not show him from the waist down, that made it even more intriguing. Yes. So they actually, because if you just saw him do his dance, it was like, well, this guy's a talented performer. But you can't see what's going on. And so everybody in America was like, what the hell's happening down there? That's Ticket, even more. It's the mystery of it. Ticket sales just like yeah. jacked up and jacked up. And I, I know you were big on Elvis just as far as him probably being considered for like some of the top awards, right? Top awards for this one. Definitely best actor. The one that I think people are like not thinking about is opposed to Brendan Fraser, who I'm glad you shot, shot it out. I do think he's great in The Whale. 
Elvis is that girl, though. And Austin Butler mm. is absolutely um, the one to play it. I just love this for Baz because he's just been plucking away with this. And also shout out to Denzel Washington, who apparently was responsible for Austin in a lot of ways keeping or getting the role. Like oh, Austin, really? Austin was in the process of it, maybe. Or like maybe he had been already having conversations and, and he had done a play with Denzel, the Iceman Cometh. And when he watched Denzel do that play, Denzel saw Austin was like, this kid's really good. And he told Baz, he's like, you should make him your Elvis. Like, don't wow. keep him waiting. Like, you should do this. And that's what kind of gave Baz some like, because, you know, when things when you can't get the money. Yeah. You start thinking, well, who can we get where we can get the money? Yeah. And he ended up being the right choice. And he ended up being the right choice. But I'm sure if you don't think there was a studio saying, well, why don't we give it to this person? Yeah, I'm sure. But then De Denzel, he carries a lot of weight in Hollywood. Exactly. So. Like saying, because like, I think obviously he had won it on the audition, but it's more than an audition to take that role. You got to do a lot. He got into that character, man. Anyway, moving on to my side. Let's uh, yep. let's take a look. Oh, yes. This is my next one. Again. I feel like I should have broken it up a little bit because otherwise you're going to feel I'm like going very Starship Troopers with it. But <laughs> neither one of these are particularly friendly to the U.S. military. So I will say that. This is keeping okay. with the trend. Yeah. This next one, actually, current Golden Globe nominee for one of the portrayals in this one. This is actually produced by a husband and wife duo as well as stars the wife. Uh, somebody from a world you would understand, sir. They are big family people, and you will recognize him because of his time in Miami, sending home my Dallas Mavericks, Dwayne Wade, Gabrielle Union. I'm oh. talking about The Inspection, sir. Okay. Starring Jeremy Pope, which is directed by Elegance Bratton. It is his semi-autobiographical tale of his life in the military after he was disowned by his mother for his homosexuality. He was living on the street, joins the military when he turns 18, in the time of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Right, right. Knowing that, you know, they're like, you can't be here if they find out you're gay. And he's just like, it's better than living on the street. Wow. So, but he makes it. He makes it through. Uh, he makes it through the military. He ends up being able to thrive with it and then eventually becomes a filmmaker. And this is his story. And it's A24. It's beautiful. It's haunting. The it, As far as like saying something, obviously, about, you know, found families and how there's ostracization due to faith and all of these other kinds of things. It's also just beautifully shot. Raul Castillo, uh, Rob, <laughs> Raul Castillo is in it, and he's, like, incredible in it. And Gabrielle Union literally gives, like, an Oscar-winning performance. Love, love, love it. 88% certified fresh, 90% audience score. So what era does it take place in? So it's set, I'm guessing, in, like, the 90s, like, late 90s, okay. early, you know what I mean? Because I think he was born in the 70s, so, like, you know, it was still in Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And Don't Ask, Don't Tell stopped in, like, I think 2010. Right, right. But it was a big topic of debate was, in the 90s. This was back when I remember, like, dude from the real world had a guy that he was dating mm -hmm. that was in the military, and they couldn't show him on screen. Oh, I don't remember that that angle of the real yeah, world. Yeah, like, this was, like, New Orleans year. This guy named, like, Danny, he had a friend of his who, the guy, sorry, not friend, the guy that he was dating, his boyfriend, who was in the military, and he knew that, you know, and I remember that they like blurred him out. And I just remember being like 16 and be like, I want to see his face. And now I'm like, oh, my God, that was so dangerous. What was that kid doing? You know what if I mean? If you were to look at the like, is a boyfriend a friend? Is a girlfriend a friend? Do they count? At, like, is it all is are, is I friend mean, a phylum? And then the the boyfriend or the significant other is like an offshoot of that? Or is I always had it in a different box entirely? You know what? Maybe that's why I'm single. Maybe it should be in a different box entirely. But the one thing I would say is I do think it's like thumbs. Like all boyfriends should be friends, but not all friends are boyfriends. Are thumbs fingers? Uh, yes. Not according to Avatar. <laughs> not according to Avatar. <laughs> they only look at the tall digits. They're not. They don't care about thumbs in Avatar land. Really? That, that's what they're saying. They're like, you have four fingers. And I'm oh. looking at it and I'm like, I have five digits, but maybe I only have four fingers. And I mean, two thumbs that do this weird thing. I mean, I think, look, I saw five story by credits and three writing credits on this one. Mm -hmm. Let's give them a break. Okay. The fingers and the thumbs. Okay. <laughs> but, but you give thumbs up <laughs> to the inspection. The yeah. inspection. You, another one that I think you would like, because again, it's not about, I mean, not that you wouldn't if, if it was, but because like, I know, like, for example, you loved bros, um, but it's mm -hmm. like, it's much more about this kid. It's very like, 
he has an impossible task and you you very much feel from any like this person is trying to make it through a trial type right. show. Like, shoot, it's very look, it's very Polly Shore in the army now kind of stuff. You know, I remember the scene. Yeah. In in the army now, where it's like, you know, because, again, that came out in the 90s. And yeah. so they're like, OK, well, if, if you say you're gay, then kiss each yeah. other. And it's Andy Dick and Polly Shore. And they just they just kiss him. And it, it's a scene mine for comedy back then. And it's like, so something like the inspection, actually, not for because I saw it in the army. And then also the idea that they hate the military so much, but the idea of kissing each other, they literally could not do that to save their existence. Right. Like, that is, like, worse than comedy. That's just stupidity. Yeah. Like, yeah. toxic. And then if they would have gotten shot, toxic masculinity literally killed you. <laughs> there you go. Literally. <laughs> you could have just. the end of your life. You could have just, like, puckered up, pounded that out, moved on, lived your life. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it back in the day. We were so stupid <sighs> in the 90s. Now, this is a perfect transition because Dwayne Wade and uh, and Gabrielle Union produced yep. the inspection. Yep. I don't know if you know this. Dwayne Wade used to play basketball and he was he very did. good at it. And this movie is about basketball and it's called Hustle. Ah. Starring Adam Sandler. We got 93% certified fresh and 93% on the audience score. I know so a little bit about this. 93% on both metrics. And I mean, this was a movie custom made for somebody like myself. I'm a huge NBA fan. I love basketball. I still hoop all the time, as does Adam Sandler. And he plays a scout who works for the 76ers, who is really just concerned with the, some ownership changes. And Ben Foster, what a yeah. great, another great villainous turn for Ben yeah. Foster in this yeah. movie, where he's sort of the air to be, but isn't ready for the task of running the team. Yeah. And he's at odds with Adam Sandler. So Adam Sandler is just looking for this next stud. Who's the next Dirk Nowitzki? Who's the next Luka Doncic, who I can really find and bring to the 76ers and, and get them back to complete the process and actually win a championship. What a heartwarming story this movie ended up being. The basketball's great in it. The cameos are nonstop. Mm. And it's a really sweet movie. And I think it's up there with the best I've ever seen Adam Sandler. Uh, I don't disagree with you on that one. I also want to say, I believe this is a LeBron-Adam Sandler sort of like partnership production because I believe this was done with their two with their two companies together. That makes all the sense in the world after seeing the picture multiple <laughs> times. Because I will say, yeah, you know, it is a it is a cameo heavy one. I did a I did a conversation on this movie about it with him and sort of talk about it. He is so proud of this thing. Like he is like Who's Sandler. Yeah, because okay. he's such a sports. I mean, this is a guy that like there's not a lot of seasons where you won't catch him at least more than a handful of games. I think he probably has like season tickets. If I had he to goes guess. to games all the time. He still rolls up to random playgrounds wherever he's shooting and will just yeah. play pickup ball. I mean, the guy, the guy's a sports nut. Yeah. And so for him to be really in his version of Rudy is, is like so I think like a kid in a candy store. Also, the best joke in the entire thing, because of course it is still funny, is the fact that he hates soccer. <laughs> like that is just such a good gag. The fact that he hates soccer, because as a basketball coach where he's playing, that's he's not losing, losing them to drugs on the corner. He's losing them to soccer. Losing them to soccer. We always say that in America the other way around, where it's like, yeah. I mean, you know, if we could get like LeBron and 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 Derrick Henry and, and, and our stars from other leagues to just focus on soccer, maybe we'd be really good oh, at soccer. No, the joke is, I actually saw this and I forget, it was TikTok, but I believe it to be true. Not the way you would on TikTok, but like this was so true that I would believe it. Uh, they were like, if, if the black people that play basketball and football in America all decided to just start playing soccer. Look out Brazil, look no. out Argentina. There would be no World Cup. It would be like the way it is for us <laughs> with basketball. It would be like the way it is for us with basketball when we play olympically. The way that it used to be, because it's 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 tough sledding in the Olympics. I mean, we still are the favorite usually with basketball, but 92, the dream team year, it, it, look, that was just, we're coming to collect gold medals. Do you yeah. guys want to work no, up a sweat? No, they still have to fight for it. Yeah. I'm not saying that they don't, but again, the dominance is just... The, the athleticism is just on another level. It's it's the problem is these other teams from other countries, they play together 
all season long and we're just getting like our Well, that's our, what I mean when I say there's together. no World Cup in the sense that like, like as if America isn't good at exports. Like, come on. They're, they would be yeah. playing in the English Premier League like a lot of Americans already are doing. Can I say something? What? I'm, I'm happy they play football, American football and American basketball because uh, I like those sports more. Would you, pl- would you <laughs> watch, do you watch? I watch the World Cup. I watched the World Cup. That's I played just soccer in patriotism. You would watch. You would watch. Uh, oh no! Yeah, I'd, I'd curling. watch curling. You watch curling if it's the USA. If I can put the flag on it. Hell yeah! Is there any? Is there any Olympic sport you would not watch? I'm actually not a big Olympics guy. I'll watch the. I'll watch the track and I'll watch the basketball. Okay, that's what I'm here for. Well, that's fair. And hustle. Um, the, the the other thing I loved about hustle real quick is that it reminded me of life on the road as a comedian because there's shots of Adam Sandler's scout and he's in foreign countries. And he can't speak the language, but he always finds either a McDonald's or a Pizza Hut. And there's shots of him in his hotel room just winding down with that. Not trying, not going out, not seeing the sights, not trying this new restaurant that you got to have. And it's got this type of food. He just wants his comfort food because he's working too hard and he misses his family. And he's just, uh, you know, it's uh, it, he's working his ass off, but it's for a goal. And he believes in himself. And uh, who wouldn't want to see a movie about that? So Man, there you go. This Hustle. is this is very air up there. This is you. This is you putting a little bit of you in that one. I'm putting a little bit of me in that. All right, what you got? So this is your fourth movie. This is my your, fourth movie. Five. Yeah, my fourth movie of my five. Uh, good luck to you, Leo Grandi. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, my reign as the thirstiest member of this podcast continues <laughs> because we have a two-hander sex comedy, and I did choose those words wisely. That's okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, this is Emma Thompson. So even if I'm going to do a sex comedy, I'm going to make it cool. Yeah. <laughs> Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack, they play a sex worker, Daryl, and Emma Thompson, a widow who is trying to have her first positive sexual experience because, and she quotes that she has been married to the same man since she was 22 who would, you know, not be very good in the bedroom every oh, night. It's tough. Um, just do his little gyrating thing kiss her on the cheek and she would sit there like then he okay. goes to watch the golf show. you gotta know these things before you get married I'm not telling y'all what to do with your lives I'm just saying you might want to explore that before you get married yeah and so she existed in a very repressed very judgmental sexual existence she was a school teacher you can imagine how those girls felt she finds out <laughs> um, and so at the age of 70 something she's just like you know I'm going to do this and so she hires a sex worker played by Daryl McCormack and he helps her find herself, but she finds herself in, in her own self. And it's just two people in a room talking, which is one of the hardest types of cinema to make, but it is the best type of cinema to make. And you're not watching sex scenes. Like, it's it's very much a song and dance before you actually ever even see them do anything intimate. Oh, okay. So there's... Um, all right. Well, what's the rating on this one? We going R? R, but okay. just regular R. And Emma Thompson gives a literally career best performance. And the script is so very, very, very smart. And Daryl McCormack holds his own with her. It's It plays very much like a play. And it's on Hulu. And it's great. What's our tomato meter? 93% certified fresh, 85% audience score. So the people that have seen, they like. Love it. Okay. I, I I do need to see that one. I'm putting that one on my list to watch. Yeah. Um, we got about 10 minutes left, so let's burn through the rest of these babies. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is my fourth. Oh, that's a great 87% one. 87% certified fresh, 87% audience score. I like movies that are the same on both metrics. And I mean, <laughs> what this one, it hooked everybody from the premise that yeah. it's Nicolas Cage playing himself. This feels like a movie that we could have gotten 10, 15 years ago with Nick Cage and it yeah. would have worked the same. Yeah. But I think it works even better now knowing Nick Cage, but knowing that he still has that. I mean, we saw him in Pig. Yep. We saw him in Joe. So we've seen him not just do the Red Box stuff, but he also really still has those chops. Yeah. I was just about to say, he talked about that because he said, even on all those crappy, quote unquote, crappy movies mm-hmm. that he was a part of, he was like, I never phoned it in. No, he didn't. He was like, you gave me whatever premise you gave me and I would give you everything that you asked for as a as a craftsman. And he said he like worked himself out of his debt, which I'm also like, talk about some like, you know, give it up for Italian pride. Like he's just like, I'm just going to go break my back yeah. and do what I need to do and find his way back to it. Also, I think Mandy is the movie that I point to that kickstarted him back. Mandy's another good uh, a good one. The guy can do any genre. He can do a range of stuff. Uh, Pedro Pascal plays a nefarious character, but maybe he's not all that nefarious when you really break down the family that he's in. He's a big Nick Cage fan. He hires him to be himself at his birthday party. Hilarity and zaniness ensues. One of my favorite parts of this movie is when they're both, they find they're high, 
um, on many substances. And Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage, just their facial expressions when they're looking around and they think yeah. they're in danger, it is just fall down funny. It's really a fun romp. And if you're a Nick Cage fan at all, if you've ever seen a Nick Cage movie, you get that much more out of it. I'm really excited to see this one again because I actually saw it. Man, it was literally like right when it came at home. I like have a DVD of it. But the only thing I really remember was Pedro Pascal just cracking me up. In he it was because he slaying. That was like I'd seen him be funny in Wonder Woman. But that one was the one where I was like, oh, no, this dude's like really funny. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really get a chance to do that much in The Mandalorian is in the way of comedy. But, not as much. Uh, yeah. He's... And definitely not, you know, House of, uh, not a, sorry, uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones, right. Not, yeah. a, not a hysterical. Not one. a whole lot of opportunity there. Yeah. All right, so your final movie in this, just part one. Just so part one. Jacqueline hasn't said your favorite movie yet. You still got a whole other episode to A whole other episode where I will also dodge the question. Um, <laughs> my final one, this is like, everyone's like, yeah, really? We knew. Um, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I really did love this movie. I honestly cannot say enough about how it was better than I thought. And this is what I want to tell anyone who has a naysayer. Sure. Whatever you were saying, we hear that. Did you have to rip up the movie in the middle of it because your star died? No? Well, then this is what you get. Like the, It's like the Simone Biles thing, like the difficulty level of just rewriting this entire storyline. And granted, I'm sure, yes, they borrowed elements, but this was not the way this was supposed to go. You know what I mean? And I might be more forgiving than most. And maybe people, I'm sure everybody knew that we lost Chadwick Boseman. He was Black Panther. And now we really have to pivot with where we're taking this movie and this mythology of Wakanda and how does it fit into the greater MCU. That was my favorite thing about this movie is that, I mean, I went in, I knew it was going to be emotional because this movie had many jobs. Like you said, we had to honor the legacy of Chadwick Boseman, but then we also have to set up who's going to be our next Panther. Yeah. And then we also have to be in this Marvel cinematic universe and the way that it didn't really bother yeah. with all the other stuff that I felt like phase four got bogged down in. And yes, I'm talking about the multiverses. It didn't worry. You never heard the word in this movie. And that was so refreshing. What we did get that was new was Namor and all of his underwater people. And I thought that was a really cool element to add into the MCU. And that felt a lot more natural and not like forced sort of, I hate saying this word, but I'm going to say it. So everybody knows where I'm talking about fan service. Yeah. It, it just felt like that was more real to me. It's really interesting too how contained Wakanda forever gets to be as far as the MCU, as far as like, look, mm -hmm. the thing that is not, Supposed to be there is probably uh, Dominique uh, playing Iron um, Riri Williams. I'm like trying to like remember oh, the character's right, right, right. name. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't remember the character's name, but Riri Williams, um, she is coming in. And that's like if I had to say something that's a bit ham fisted her and like maybe what's going on with Julia Dreyfus or Lake Bell. Probably bigger elsewhere. You know, that's probably like Secret Wars type stuff yeah, in Wakanda forever. You got to plant some seeds, yeah. but it wasn't detracting. Yeah, it wasn't distracting. And like, again, like he didn't have a choice on that. Now, what I love to see and where I'm more excited to see, maybe them taking some time off so that he can go make some movies where he's not under like Disney training wheels. Coogler, yeah. Yeah, like, yes, please go do what you feel next. Like, don't. Go do another Black Panther movie. Go do what you want. And I feel like him, even more than Taika, I feel like he, like the MCU is like, or, you know, Feige or whoever runs it, they're like, uh, just go make your movie. We yeah. know it's going to be great. They let Taika run free with his sense of humor and stuff like that. And you and I had a lot of chuckles watching yeah. Thor, Love and Thunder, but Black Panther were kind of forever by far yeah. the best movie of phase four of the MCU. Absolutely. And again, the difficulty level is always something that's going to be it. And look what it's going to do. Like, this thing could give Angela Bassett an Oscar nomination. Oh, if she so gets an good. Oscar nomination out of this, she will be the first woman to ever be nominated from a superhero type movie. And she will be the first non-villain to be nominated from a superhero movie because it's only Joker's Jokers. Joker's and jo Joker's been wild, but now we Joker's get Jokers. Angela Bassett, hopefully the party. It'd be well-deserved. What it is 84% of the tomato meter? 84% certified fresh and 94% audience score. Again, audience knows what's up because that's a verified audience score. So that was actually people that bought yeah. tickets to go see the movie that that's what they said. And that was a lot of people over $600 million so far. So, yeah, dude. Um, you know, good stuff for the MCU. And, the pan and still a pandemic where people still have not really 100% come back to theaters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I have my my movie to wrap things up here on uh, part one of our two-parter, the top 10 movies for each of us of the year, 2022, is a movie that, yes, once again, it might speak to my heart and where I come from, but I also could not put 
a non-horror movie in here. Some, I mean, I, I need a horror movie. I need something that scares me. Pearl X, great double feature by Ty West this year, Maya Goth, but I'm going with Barbarian. Just Ooh, yeah. because it was so cool, so many twists, so many turns, and it all starts with a premise. You just get to an Airbnb, and you just hope it's clean. And, oh, there's a guy, and it happens to be Bill Skarsgård. Which you should have just left right then, because that dude always was suspect. He's a handsome man, but he's got the Pennywise eyes. He's no. got the googly eyes, but that's just the start of the journey. Then we go downstairs, and I think on Airbnb it said this was like a one-bedroom. There's a lot more bedrooms. There's a lot more bedrooms in this house. And then we pivot to like a Justin Long side story that we're like, where is this the same movie that it all ties up together? It's 92% certified fresh, 71% audience score. And as a fellow traveler of the world, this one, it really gets you in the good spot, right? I have kind of sworn off Airbnbs. <laughs> like I am not, not because of this movie. In general, Airbnbs have just gotten really scary. And like, I'm like, no. I I'm staying at one uh, next week. Really? Yeah. Still trust him. Haven't found an underground dungeon with uh, mutant people just yet. Wow. So it's a good movie. It's Get a it really up. It is a really good movie. I have uh, I've only seen a little bit of it. I haven't watched it all the way through. Okay. Okay. Sorry. How, how far in are you? About. I've basically gotten just a little bit past. No, I Has Justin say. Long showed up? No. Ooh, so I didn't know that. But okay. I did know about the rooms. I'd gotten down to like. Oh, they you don't know rooms. anything about yeah. the rooms yet? No, but I've definitely gotten down to the rooms. All right. All right. Seem a little cocky. I mean, I'm not saying I know anything. Twists like, and turns, Jacqueline. Twists and turns. That's enough to know. That's enough to know. It's good stuff. And I, I love horror. It's it's my favorite genre to go see you know, in a theater opening weekend. So I wanted to have one on the I list. I technically have horror-ish things on my list because Bones and All is technically a horror horror romance. I mean, rating people. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. Uh, but you can also fall in love. You can also fall in love. <laughs> Yes, that's what we learned here today. Making it weird. Uh, don't need anyone, and maybe uh, make sure you know who you're marrying in the bedroom before you actually tie the knot. So we learned a lot here, as we always do on Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. Those are really just the start. We're at halftime of our best movies of 2022. We do not have a mailbag today because we're too busy yapping about our favorite movies of the year. But I will say that we are going to turn it over to you for the time being. Everybody watching at home, if you're listening, whether you're at the gym, you want to be like Jonathan Majors. You do you, but when you're listening to it, you always can comment. You can email us anytime. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com and let us know what movies do you think we missed. But maybe you should just listen to the other half of this companion piece before you start yelling at us about what movies we missed. Uh, let us know your thoughts on the movies we just mentioned. And episode two is coming right up, Jacqueline. You, uh, you just want to knock this thing out? Yeah, let's go. Okay. All right. Well, that's Jacqueline Coley. I'm Mark Ellis. Uh, let's be back. That Jacqueline. We'll at see Mark you. Ellis Live. Really? We'll be back. <laughs> if they don't know that by now, if you don't know where to find us by now, go back. What's on the show next week, Jacqueline? <laughs> <laughs>